Praise the Lord. We're in the area where we read about the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. So we are going to sing, going to sing a song of Moses and a song of the Lamb. We stand in the Yeah. 
have you back, Joshua. There is a big difference in quality, isn't there? So thank you, Brian. Brian, everybody that helped Michael upgrade his drums. What a beautiful thing that was. And I got to say, they are kicking, man. They are awesome. They look great, too. Good morning, everybody. We are ready to jump in this Bible study. I hope you've had a great day yesterday. Hope you got some good sleep last night. My goodness. Hey, you know what? We're going on vacation next week. Do you know that? I'm so excited. Uh, we probably don't do it enough, but we are doing it next week because Megan has her birthday Friday, and my grandbaby has his birthday Saturday, correct? And so we're leaving out Sunday, and we're going to the mountains. We've rented a big house, and we're just going to go have family time together, just our family, right? So thankful and looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. Just chill out a few days and do nothing. Maybe go to the aquarium. I think we're going to the aquarium. A few things like that, but no stress. Huh? That's Aaron's favorite. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, it is daybreak time. Let's dive in. We are in uh, Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15. We reset chronologically yesterday. We talked about the rapture yesterday. And thank you for all the comments. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot to me when you guys send, uh, you know, put in our great study today and things like that. It, it means the world to me because that's what I want is for us to have a great study. My number one thing is my, my desire is always for you to see things in the scripture because when it boils down to it, it doesn't matter what I think, uh, what Brother Charles thinks, what brother my, my wife thinks, or what any preacher thinks, what, what Brother Charles thinks, what my wife thinks. Well, I didn't say it wrong, did I? What, when it boils down to it, it doesn't matter what any theologian, it doesn't matter what we think. What it matters is what the scriptures teach. Amen. That's what is important. And that's what we are trying to do here is just take the scriptures at what they say and try to understand what it means as we are reading this section of scripture. We come, here we are, we have said, okay, we're at the seventh trumpet and we're going to start with verse 3 again today. And, you know, there's only eight verses in chapter 15, so we should be able to finish chapter 15 today uh, unless there's some big, big questions or something like that. But well, let's jump right in. It says, they sing, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying. Now, you'll notice here, there is a song of Moses. There's two recorded songs of Moses, actually. And I said this yesterday, but I want to say it again. Exodus chapter 15 is one of them. 
Now, if you turn over there and you read Exodus chapter 15, and it says the Song of Moses, uh, it will not be exactly what we're, what we're reading these guys singing here in the book of Revelation. And then if you, like, for instance, let, let's see if I can go there. Maybe I marked it. Yeah, I did. So in Exodus 15, the Song of Moses, Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has he has thrown in the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And anyway, it goes on because this is the deliverance after they had passed through the Red Sea. And so the song of Moses is a song of deliverance. But the song of Moses, if you read it in Deuteronomy, chapter 32, and we won't turn over there and do that this morning, but if you do that, you will see that it's different words. So what we understand is the song of Moses means a song of victory, and it can be word for word, or it can be a song of victory. That's why I called what we were singing this morning a song of Moses. Holy is the Lord, God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory, right? The nations bow down to him. And that's what we're talking about. Now, let's go back to Revelation chapter 15. They sing a song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Next thing I want to say is this. Have you ever thought about how important singing is in worship? I mean, what church services you go to that they don't sing? They're singing, Right? The three, one of the three main things that we do when we gather, all of us, when we gather somewhere together, what's the three main things? There's usually, there's going to be prayer, right? Uh, and there's going to be singing, and then there's going to be preaching, a uh, message, uh, exp expounding on the scriptures, reading of scriptures and talking about the Lord, right? And so this is what we do. Now, one of the reasons that has become the, a stable part of worship service is because we see throughout the scripture how important singing is. Matter of fact, you can study out the musicians would go into war before the army and they would be singing and praising the Lord as they would go and fight the battles of the Lord. We're talking about Old Testament stuff. Did you know the book of Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, and you may not know this. I don't know if you do or not. Some people know this, but some do not. That is another way of saying a song. Psalms, if you like, look up the definition to a psalm, it is words put to music. Every time you're reading the book of Psalms, you're reading songs, what we would call a song, S-O-N-G. But we don't know what the music, that's why it's so powerful, so many worship songs today, Lisa and I have written many songs that come out of the book of Psalms. We'll take a line from here and a line from there. If you know all of the stuff that we have written, you will find a lot of lyrics, like lyrics of Send Down the Rain, just the one off the top of my head. Most of those lyrics came out of the book of Psalms. Just different places, right? Lord, I'm so dry and thirsty. Send down the rain, you know. Um, and so it is a very important part of worship. Now, when we get to the book of Revelation, 
I've shared with you the book of Revelation is a musical. It is a musical. How many times, as you have been going through this book with me, have we read, and they sang a new song? And they sang a song saying, it's over and over and over. The 144,000 had their own song. Nobody could sing it but them. Then you have the song of these victorious saints that have become victorious now. They were victorious over the enemy, victorious over the Antichrist, and they sing. Now let's read what he hears them singing in this vision. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of Saints. I love that title, King of Saints. I love that. He's my King. I bow to my King, Jesus, Yeshua, Yeshua. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. There's none like God. There's none like God. He is the creator. <coughs> For all nations shall come and worship before you. All nations. This is what they're singing. All nations are going to come and bow before you. This is Psalm chapter 2. They're, 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 what they're saying is we have victory and the king of the saints is going to reign. For your judgments have been manifested. In other words, God is right to judge the kingdom of Antichrist. He is right. His ways are holy. He is just. And they're singing this song of victory and praising the Lord. What do we do when we're happy? We sing. If I feel good, if I'm not feeling down, and you know, if my body feels good and I'm not sick, I'm one of those people that's singing all the time, you know, whistling or singing something. All right, let's go to verse 5. After these things, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony. What? The temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Well, let's stop right there and talk about that just a little. Now, John joins temple and tabernacle together here. Both of these are an Old Testament. It's a reference to Old Testament structures that housed the presence of God. The first thing built was the tabernacle. Moses built the tabernacle, and it was a portable tent that the children of Israel would put up and erect wherever they went. You know, they would follow the cloud. God would lead them. Here's where I want you to go. And then when the, when the pillar of fire would stop, they would say, okay, it's time to set up camp. They would set up camp. They would put up the tabernacle, the tent, and you had an outer court. You had an inner holy place. Then you had the holy of holies. What was in the holy of holies was where the presence of God would be. And he would come and meet with his people. He would be there. And all the children of Israel would camp round about this tabernacle, could see the pillar of fire over the tabernacle and know God is in our midst. And he said, I would, I will be with you and I will dwell over the chair on the mercy seat between the cherubims. That's where he would meet with Moses. Now, inside the ark, you know what was inside the ark. There was something called the testimony. It was the Ten Commandments. The testimony 
of God against the world. And a a 10 a 10 point description of holiness and what God says to the world and how they should act, but especially the children of Israel at this time. Now, let's turn back to Revelation chapter 11 here. It says in verse 19, then the temple 11:19, then the temple of God was open in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunders, and earthquake and a great hail. And so this is another way to establish where we are chronologically, if that makes sense. So it's open, and he's looking into. Another thing I want to say about this, so the temple, the tabernacle was erected by Moses. Years later, Solomon erected the temple, and it was a permanent structure. So there wasn't moving all the time. It was the temple in Jerusalem, right? And then it was destroyed, and then it was rebuilt again in the days of our king when he was walking upon the earth and the days of the early church, there was a temple in Jerusalem. It was called Herod's Temple. Now, the only reason it was called Herod's Temple is because he had enlarged it and spent a lot of money making it bigger, and so they called it Herod's Temple, but it was the temple of the Lord. Now, by that time, the Lord was no longer dwelling over the mercy seat between the cherubims. We find in the book of Ezekiel, he left because of the sins of the people. But nevertheless, the point is this. It's, so we've got temple and tabernacle, which is the two Old Testament witnesses. But what I want you to realize, and the book of Hebrews tells us this very plainly, that when Moses was building it, uh, he was told, build it according to the pattern that was shown you. And we realize in, I, I think it's chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews, like read 1 through 5 there, you will read it. it. It will say it was a shadow of heavenly things. So the temple and the tabernacle were a shadow of heavenly things. Now what John is seeing, he's looking into heaven and he's seeing the temple. He's seeing it open. This is interesting. Because it's open. It's time. The testimony referring to the Ten Commandments. This is a testimony against the world for their sin. Verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, plagues clothed in pure linen. Pure bright linen. That must be a sight. And having their chest girded with golden bands. This makes it sound like these angels look like men, doesn't it? They've got chest. Okay, they're wearing linen. Uh, it's very interesting. And they come out of the temple. What is this a symbol? What, what is it a sign? It is time. It's time. Time for what? Time for the wrath of God to be poured out. Verse 7. Then the four, one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bows full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The living creatures, remember them? We studied them. And they are handling, these, these, are, these guys have a lot of authority. 
they're handing the bowls of wrath to the angels. And what's the angels going to do? They're going to pour out the wrath of God. Why? Because it's time. It is time. Okay? And here before we end, I want to tie a few things together. Bowls, okay, gave the four living creatures gave to the seven angels the seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Verse 8. The temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now, going back a little bit to what we talked about yesterday to bring this bring this in for a landing. There is a principle. There is a principle, I call it, or we can call it the Second Timothy 3.12 principle. And here's what it says. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You look it up. All who live godly in Christ Jesus, King James Version, shall suffer persecution. New King James Version will suffer persecution. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That is a standard that is true, and it has been true, and is true today for the majority of Christians. We live, we live, most of us live, and some of you listening live in a time or an area where we're not persecuted. But that doesn't mean that it's not coming. I remember the first time I ever heard that preach, the pastor, he said, you can measure I don't, I don't know how much to take this as truth, but I remember hearing it preached to me, and it stuck with me years ago. He said, you can measure how godly you're being, because if you're really living godly, you're going to suffer persecution. People are not going to like you if you're godly. So if you're conforming to the world, they're going to like, the world's going to love its own, right? We shall suffer persecution. There is a little bit of difference in this nation we call America, and I call it an anomaly. If you study 2,000 years of history, what we get to experience here is an anomaly. It's, and that is, it's an exception to the rule, but things are changing. Amen. Things are changing. And we re- just yesterday, uh, we were sitting around after Bible study, and we were talking about how in England, uh, street pre- preachers are getting fined, being arrested. Uh, people are displaying stores, uh, are being threatened with fines and breaking the law if they display Bible verses that are offensive anywhere in their store if it's Bible verses that are offensive because the laws of the land are saying some Bible verses are just not socially acceptable anymore. Now, this is going to get worse and worse. It's just going to happen. That's just part of it. But right now, uh, things are good. Now, I said that to say this. Even though that we go through some tribulation, even though we go through some persecution, there is another beautiful thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, that says this. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus is the text. We're waiting from, from Jesus from heaven who delivers us from the wrath to come. I talked about yesterday that we are delivered from the wrath of God. I believe that we are delivered from the wrath of God. God delivers his church. Now, we're not. We suffer persecution. We suffer tribulation. 
but we don't suffer the wrath of God. The wrath of God, it's now time for the wrath of God to be poured out, and we're delivered from the wrath of God, praise the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And what we're studying here is the full time, the time has fully come for the wrath of God to be poured out. And so we can shout, hallelujah, that we will not have to suffer through wrath of God. If you are born again, you don't have to worry about the wrath of God. Amen? Amen. If you are one of his, if you are, if you belong to Yeshua, if you belong to Jesus, you don't have to worry about the wrath of God that is coming. You have been delivered from it. As good as already taken place, you do not have to worry about that at all. And I just praise the Lord for that. Thank God. And I believe that brings us to the completion of chapter 15. If I missed anything, did I miss anything? Mama, Charles, no. anybody in there see anything you want me to expound on? I think we pretty much covered it. And uh, just it's just good stuff, good stuff, which means tomorrow we'll get into chapter 16 and start looking at these bowls of wrath now that are going to be poured out on Antichrist kingdom. Antichrist kingdom. Hallelujah. All right. Well, thank you for being here again this morning. Thank you for uh, being part of Daybreak. And uh, we love you. We love every one of you. We thank you for prayers for our family. Please keep praying for our family. And uh, got to go out and work today. I don't know if it's rainy there. Everything is soaking wet around here, isn't it? Yep. Bible study tonight. Bible study tonight at... The Fellowship Hall down at Providence in Hartsville is at 6.30. It is 6.30 to 8. 6.30 to 8. All right. Whitney and Zach. Whitney and Zach. Remember them in your prayers. Yeah, we'll lift them up in prayers. Whitney and Zach. Amen. That they won't have to work Sundays. <laughs> All right, let's just pray for them now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up Whitney and Zach that you will make a way where they won't have to work on Sundays, Lord, and they'll be able to go to church. Lord, we lift up all those that are sick. Amen. And God, we're asking for healing to come. In the name of Jesus, bring healing over our families, Lord. Touch our families. Bring healing. Decline her, Lord. Touch her. Bring healing, Lord. Uh, all of our brothers and sisters, be with the O'Briens, Lord, as today they bury Rachel's brother uh, and they have the funeral service today. God, we pray for Holy Ghost comfort to come over the O'Brien family and over everybody touched by this death in the family. And Lord, we thank you, God, for your promise of deliverance, for your promise of salvation. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Love you, saints. Lord willing, we will see you again right here in the morning. Try to be here. We'll try to be here. Bye.